1: Welcome into to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show. You can hear the guys on 670, the score every morning from 530 until 10. You can hear more of me with them. You can also hear me by myself from 5 to 530 as I warm things up on the official home of the Chicago Cubs. And I've got my good buddy Crowley with me. And this is season one, episode 16, Crowley. And we are calling this one
2: limping into the break. How are you on this Monday afternoon? I'm doing well. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Crawley's Cubs. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670, on Facebook at FlyTheW, and you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. When we were
1: last together, Crowley, last Thursday midday, we were hoping and crossing our fingers and our toes that the Cubs would not get swept by the Mets, who were in and now out for a four-game series at Wrigley Field. Um, I had said, let's just not get swept. And I, my prediction, I believe was one and three. You were a glass half full guy on this one, two and two. And of course you did not want them to get swept as they enter the all star break. So let's take everybody through it. Crowley. Let's look at game one, Keegan Thompson on the Hill for the Cubs.
2: Yeah, it was a good matchup. Uh, Keegan Thompson versus Carlos Carrasco, but uh, the outcome, not so good. The Cubs, are going to lose this one eight to nothing, and it was all sorts of a mess here. Uh, top of the first, Marte with a one out single, and Lindor doubles. And right away in the first inning, the Cubs trail one to nothing. Uh, in the second inning, with one out, Eduardo Escobar singles, Dominic Smith walks, Patrick Mazika doubles, and the Cubs now trail three nothing. Starlin Marte will single home Mazica, and the Cubs are down four nothing. Bottom of the fourth, Nico has a two-out single. Manager David Ross comes out, and he is ejected by the third-plate umpire, uh, arguing whether Carrasco was balking or not. And so David Ross is going to watch the rest of this game from his office. Top of the fifth, one out. Keegan hits Pete Alonso with a pitch. He walks Jeff McNeil. He throws a wild pitch to advance the runner. He walks Luis Guillorme to load the bases. And then he gives up a single to Eduardo Escobar. He trails 5-0. His night's done. Mark Leiter Jr. comes in. He gets out of the inning without any more damage, but definitely not Keegan's best start at all.
1: No, it reminded me of the night before, Crowley, of of Steele. So, you know, Justin Steele came out after a layoff and didn't look sharp, and Keegan just was getting absolutely pounded. In the first and second innings of this game they were hitting him really hard he did then settle down until the fifth inning which was his last inning so it was a mixed bag you know if you could have more of the what happened in the third and the fourth and less than what happened in the first second and fifth things would be okay you could you could deal with that but again it goes back to my I sound like a broken record this is
2: player development versus winning and losing games right now well not only that just to just to rub some just to rub some salt in the wounds the Mets through Trevor Williams you remember him starter last year to finish the game bottom of the seventh. So he absolutely shut the Cubs down and it was uh, just awful. Like I said, Keegan went 4.1 innings pitch, eight hits, five runs, four walks, one K Carrasco, six innings pitch, five hits, zero runs, two walks and six Ks. Uh Sia went two for four for the Cubs and Nico Horner has been on fire two for three. They had eight walks, two hits, but 10 Ks, eight total bases, one for six with runners in scoring position. But they didn't score a run, even though they had a hit with a runner in scoring position. Didn't come around to score. Just got the runner to third, so they left eight men on base. Where for the Mets, Brandon Nimmo went three for four with a walk, two runs, one RBI. Pete Alonso one for four with a two-run homer. Mets had 12 hits, five walks, two home runs, seven Ks, 21 total bases. They were four for 11 with runners in scoring position. That's you know that's the difference. That's the difference.
1: I mean, runners in scoring position is going to be something Crowley we're going to be talking about for the next 30 or 40 minutes here on this edition. Because (laughs) runners with scoring position is one of, there are a couple, there's more than one, but if not the biggest, one of the biggest Achilles heels with this club's lineup right now.
2: Yeah, it it truly is. And it's about as frustrating as it can get. There's really you look at this and you ask yourself like what is the problem and it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a veteran it doesn't matter if it's a rookie it doesn't matter what it is they just can't do it they cannot score with runners in scoring position and i cannot figure it out for the life of me
1: Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. Okay, so Friday was supposed to be Game 2. It was supposed to be the Marcus Stroman game. We talked about it in the last episode, about how we were hoping that Stroman was going to be pumped up for this one. A little playoff atmosphere, if you will, for Marcus, who was previously in New York and with the Mets. But the game was rained out. I thought the Cubs did the right thing, called that one early, and pushed it into Saturday, where we had a game night doubleheader between the Mets and the Cubs of course in game one we had Marcus Stroman on the hill
2: yeah I told you in the last episode Stroman has a lot of bad blood with Mets management with the Mets fan. he can't he, he literally has a and Marcus is from New York and I interviewed him I talked to him he just he it just was a bad experience for him he liked a lot of his teammates uh, including Taiwan Walker who he is facing off so you know I said that he was going to be extra amp and he absolutely he did really well um, you know, the Cubs did lose 2 to 1, but it definitely you can't pin that on Marcus. Top of the 1st, Stroman walks Nimmo, he gets the next two batters to strike out swinging. Air on PJ Higgins at third, allows Pete Alonso to reach, but McNeil grounds out. So, an error, but it doesn't end up costing them other than Stroman having to throw some more pitches. Uh, top of the 3rd, for the second straight game, Dave Ross was ejected arguing balls and strikes. That was the second game in a row but David Ross was right. The home plate umpire that game was absolutely brutal. And I follow a site called Umpire Auditor that looks at these umpires. And this guy had absolutely awful game. Not consistent, not accurate. And I don't blame Lindor, or I'm sorry, David Ross one bit for getting tossed out of this one.
1: Yeah, David Ross tossed consecutive games. I think all of a sudden he's been ejected 10 times. As a Cubs manager in his career, so that's not something we typically see. And there'll be more David Ross arguing with the umpires as we go along. The only thing I did read about that, Crowley, as far as the the umpire being bad, they did they did admit that he was bad for both sides. So it wasn't just a Mm -hmm. he was bad for David Ross and the guys. He was bad for the Cubs and the Mets that afternoon.
2: No, exactly right. It was it was absolutely awful for both sides, and both teams were unhappy. But Ross. Just tossed him in and 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 it was uh, you know, like it, it that's is what it is. But we get to the top of the fourth, and uh Francisco Lindor walked, Pete Alonso doubles, Cubs trail one-nothing. Uh bottom of the fourth, though, the Cubs answer back with one out. Suzuki singles. Horner grant grounds into a force out, which moves. Uh, you know, uh that allows Suzuki's out at second. But Nico steals second, Schwindel singles, Horner scores games tied at one. Bottom of the fifth, okay? Higgins doubles, Morel grounds out, Ortega strikes out, Wilson grounds out. So it's so frustrating in these kind of situations. Another example of runner in scoring position. Exactly, here, another runner in scoring position, right. Where, where you have a runner at third and one out, and you cannot get a run out of it. Bottom of the seventh, Schwindel singles, Wisdom strikes out, Higgins walks. So you have runners at first and second, one out, Morel grounds into a double play. Just again, more runners in scoring position. The game goes to extras. And this was insane, right? You get to the bottom of the 10th. Nelson Velasquez replaces Frank Schwindel as the courtesy runner. So he starts on second, and Velasquez is very fast, steals third base. You have a runner at third with no outs. Any little thing a you know, wild pitch, a balk, a fly ball, uh, a grounder to, you know, through the hole, anything will walk this game off wisdom strikes out higgins called out on strikes you cannot do that the first two guys now eduardo escobar rob Morrell, uh and davis was playing first made an incredible pick but that was not morel but wisdom and higgins cannot strike out in that situation
1: Crawley, let me ask you this. Let's just let's just play the role of David Ross, who's been ejected. So it, it's uh, Green now, the bench coach, right? He's in there. Yeah. He's he's calling the shots. Maybe David's texting him. You know, I'm not saying they're breaking any rules or anything. But let's you, you know, do you do something there because it's in the te- do you do you do you ask Patrick Wisdom to bunt if you don't think he can bunt? Do you have somebody pinch hit for him there?
2: No, I, I it's, it's just, look, these are the players you are. Wisdom is not a guy that can bunt. Don't make a guy do something he can't do. That's putting him in a bad position. But as far as wisdom, he has to make contact there. Higgins, you don't get as angry about. You know what I mean? He wasn't somebody that was supposed to be on this team. It came more out of necessity. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, one other thing. Morell, like I said, he makes, you know, it was an incredible play by Escobar. It was a great pick by Davis. But Morrell Mur- uh, dives into first. If I am the manager, you are sitting down if you pull that. Run it out. Every study that they've done on this shows, you don't dive into first. Run it out. That's what sprinters do is when they're going to sprint, they go right into it. You should be going through the base. I hate that. But the fact is, you had a guy on third, no outs, and you, you stranded him there.
1: Right. And, 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 that, and that's, that's why you know we're going to go through it. But you when you do that, Crowley, you deserve the loose game. Yep. Bottom line. When you yep. get a guy on third with nobody out in this type of setup with extra innings in, in baseball, you deserve to lose the game.
2: Absolutely, and that's what they did in the top of the 11th. Michael Gibbons is pitching. Luis Guillorme is at second. Lindor singles. Guillorme to third. Pete Alonso with the sack fly. There was an error charged on Suzuki. Uh, I don't like that call on the error. It was one of those things where Wilson was trying to get the ball and tag as quick as possible. But he was charged with an error. Guillaume scores. Lindor goes to second. But that puts the Mets on ahead. And then at the end, uh, Ortega strikes out. Wilson strikes out. Morel was the courtesy runner at second. He steals third. But Hap grounds out. Ball game, over.
1: And there's uh, the two all stars, Crawley. That the other. That's yep. what's so frustrating about the bottom of the eleventh. You got your two all stars. You got a strike out, and then you've got Hap grounding out to end the game.
2: Same thing we talked about when i was in milwaukee you had you had an opportunity and the two guys that really need to step up neither of them did Uh, as we talked about strowman uh went 4.1 innings he gave up one hit one run two walks and six k's the bullpen was great they went 6.2 innings three hits one run zero earned runs two walks and 10 k's uh schwindel went two for three with an rbi and a walk the cubs grounded into three double plays 1-for-11 with runners in scoring position, 7 left on base.
1: So is that uh, 2-for-19 in the first uh, two games, Crowley, runners in scoring position? 2-for-17, I'm sorry, 2-for-17. Didn't mean to give the Cubs an extra bad nugget there. (laughs)
2: 2-for-17 after two games, runners in scoring position. And Walker was 6 innings pitched, 4 hits, 1 run, 2 walks, 5 Ks. Lindor went 1-for-3 with a run and 3 walks Mets were one for nine with runners in scoring position, eight left on base. But at the end, the Cubs should have won this game. Absolutely no doubt about it. Right.
1: You only get one run, you're not going to win a lot of games. I, you know, Stroman was fine. The bullpen was okay. But you know, you got to get,
2: you got to get more than one run. You got to get at least three runs a game. I'm sorry. Now that takes us to game three, and we laughed about this. We said, "Oh God, Scherzer versus Smiley. <laughs> Go for a walk. Don't even bother watching." But it was a second extra inning affair, if you can believe that. Back to back. So top of the second, two outs. JD Davis walks and Wardo Escobar doubles. Jeff McNeil hit by a pitch. Bases are loaded. But uh Thomas Nito flies out to the end of the inning, so Smiley gets out of that. Bottom of the second, Schwindel doubles, wisdom strikes out, Rivas singles. You got first and third one out. Gomes hits a ground rule, double. Schwindel scores, Rivas is third. If that ball stays in the park, it would have been two runs. Instead, it, it bounced right on the line almost, and then hopped out kind of in the Bartman area and the runners. So instead of that, you had runners at second and third, one out. Bodies called out on strikes and Rafael Ortega flies out. Cubs lead one, nothing. The Cubs with another golden opportunity and they cannot put up a crooked number. So frustrating. You get to the it's top almost th- like
1: they're allergic to crooked numbers or something.
2: Absolutely. Top of the third, Nemo singles. Starlin Marte reaches on a fielding error. Uh, Nemo to third. Lindor grounds out to wisdom. Nemo scores. Marte to second. And the game is tied at one. Uh, we get to the bottom of the third. And this was interesting. So Marquis does this thing on Fridays usually, but they had to move it to Saturday because of the rain out, where they have David Ross mic'd up. During the game, talking to his old buddy and partner Boog Shiambi, and Hap gets called out on strikes. And this is ridiculous. Home plate umpire John Tampaine Hap turns around, he says something, and he just gets the quick hook. He's ejected. And Ross comes out, throws off the headset, jumps over the uh, gate, and argues to try, you know, try to keep him. There's nothing you can do at that point, but uh you know, Ross didn't want, what, three straight ejections in a row? So you saw him being <laughs> that very might have been a new re-
1: That might have been a new record. You know, it, has, a, has a manager been injected on the first, second, and third games, and the second game being a day-night doubleheader? Has that ever happened?
2: We, we, we need Zach Zabner on the Google machine as Pat calls it to, to look that up. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. absolutely. It was a funny situation. Not so funny in the top of the fourth. Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar hits a solo home run, and the Cubs are down 2-1. Two, two to one. Bottom of the fourth one out, Wisdom doubles, Rivas strikes out, Gomes singles, Wisdom scores. The game is tied at two. And so we are going back into extra innings. Now, Michael Gibbons, and, and, and he gets to the mound. You got a courtesy runner right on second. He gives up the single to Marte, so Nimmo is the courtesy runner. He goes to third. Marte steals second. Okay. Gibbons walks Lindor, base is loaded. You want to be careful there. I didn't have a problem with that. He then hits Pete Alonso in the Cubs' trail, 3-2. to two. Bases loaded, still no outs. Mark Connha uh, grounds into a double play. Givens to Gomez to Rivas. So that's the old 1-2-3 double play. You got runners at second and third, two outs. My buddy Daniel Norris comes in and replaces Michael Givens. He walks Luis Guillorme to load the bases. He tries to pick off Guillorme. He throws the ball away. Lindor scores the Cubs' trail. Four to two. Eduardo Escobar grounds out to end the inning. Bottom of the tenth. Bodie's at second. Velasquez strikes out. uh, Morel singles. Bodie scores. Cubs trail four to three. Suzuki singles. Runners at the corner. One out. And Schwindel grounds into a double play. Unbelievable. You think about the top of the tenth. He gives up a single. He gives up a stolen base. He gives up a walk. He hits a guy. He gets a double play. He is pulled from the game. Daniel Norris comes in and Daniel Norris walks made to load the base. Like you're just looking at this. He throws the ball away to give up another run. I mean, those you, you gave up two runs and you basically only gave up one hit.
1: Right. I mean, it's you know, put on the circus music, you know. <laughs> that's how
2: but,
1: that's how I felt about that game watching it. Very, very frustrating
2: Saturday night. And not only that, but Daniel Norris was DFA'd after that game. He, he is gone, and I don't, look, I don't ever want anybody to lose their job. I just don't want this guy pitching for the Cubs anymore. I was done. I was officially done. I had nothing more that I wanted to see with what happened with Michael Gibbons. But the, this was an interesting little nugget here. He took both losses of the Cubs-Mets doubleheader without giving up an earned run. So he is the first pitcher since nineteen thirteen. The first season both leagues tracked earned runs to lose multiple games on a single day without allowing an earned run. That was from Elias Sports right there.
1: It's a pretty unbelievable, unbelievable. stat. That's an unbelievable <laughs> stat, Crowley.
2: Game four, we get here at the end here. Uh, you get the Cubs win three to two. Finally, Samson versus David Peterson. One out, Marte and Lindor, single, runners at the corners with two outs, a double steal. This is one of those plays where what Lindor's trying to do is get caught up in a rundown and give Marte the opportunity to steal home. And what ends up happening is play the circus music again. The Cubs not only allow Marte to steal home, Lindor reaches safely at second. Now, some people argue that he was a little bit out of the base path, but either way, you got the double steal and the Cubs are down one nothing, and that was it's just a it's a basic play that you should have made.
1: You think the call was right, Crowley? What was he safe, or do you think he was a little bit out of the out of the I thought uh, I pass?
2: thought I thought he was out of the base pass. That was me personally. Me too. Me but too. It's what it is. You're down one nothing, but in the bottom of the second, Suzuki Suzuki walks Horner singles. Schwindel grounds into a double play. Wisdom grounds out inning over. Another opportunity blown You get to the bottom of the fourth Hap singles, Suzuki flies out Horner singles Schwindel reaches on an error by Escobar third You got the bases loaded, one out And thankfully, Peterson gives the Cubs a gift He walks wisdom The game's tied at one Bodie and Velasquez strike out But again, that was a gift run It's not like they're hitting with runners and scoring in position But sometimes you need those gifts Sometimes you need those gifts, Crawley We'll take whatever we can get here Top of the fifth, one out. Nimmo walks. Marte singles. Lindor flies out. Nimmo goes to third. Alonzo singles on a pop that lands behind Schwindel, who was holding on Marte with two outs. So they were worried about Marte stealing, getting a base with two outs. Normally you just play your, your normal defense. And I love Frank Schwindel as a person, but he just looked bad on that play. Looked like, you know, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And the ball just drops behind him. And Adrian Sampson, who we talked about has done nothing but keep the Cubs in games, just reacted, put his hands on his head like, how could you let that ball drop? And so the Cubs now trail two to one. Okay. And you get to the top of the eighth. Rowan Wick pitching. Lindor singles. Pete Alonso grounds out Lindor to second. Uh, Jeff Neal, McNeil pops out to Wisdom. Eduardo Escobar singles. But Francisco Lindor's thrown out at the plate by Velasquez to keep it a one-run game. A huge what a great, defensive play. What a
1: great play that was. Great play.
2: So, so like right in the bottom of eighth, that momentum shift, uh, you you sit there and you have Morel and Contreras with back-to-back singles. you got runners at the corners. Morell makes it to third on that. Half-grounds out, a little ball to the pitcher, but that allows Morel with his speed to score. Suzuki pops out. The game's tied at two. And Suzuki pops out. You got two outs, and Horner with a clutch single. Contreras scores. The Cubs lead three to two. David Robertson picks up the save. And so the Cubs are able to salvage one. But Sampson, like I said, 5.1 innings pitch, six hits, two runs, two are earned, even though that play by Schwindel should have been made. Three walks, 1K. Steven Brault, who was called up after Norris was DFA'd, went 1.2 innings, zero hits, zero runs, 1K. Nico Horner, three for four with one RBI. Uh, Peterson on the other side went five innings, pitched three hits, one run, three walks, eight Ks. Marte and Lindor went three for four. But, Dustin, I don't know. After the doubleheader, the Cubs win this one, and yay, hooray. I don't know if you heard David Ross's, uh interview after that game. It was an interesting interview that he had uh, where he talked specifically. Let me... Let me put this up here for you. And, and you could tell he was frustrated. Like I said, the Cubs had lost uh, both games of the doubleheader. They played absolutely sloppy ball. And I don't know which reporter asked it, but a reporter was asking, hey, what did you think about that? Uh, about, about the game? And one thing that he brought up during the interview was the fact that he's they're playing a first place team. Okay, fair enough. With a three hundred million dollar payroll, he brought that up. Were you surprised by that?
1: That does, that does surprise me. That does surprise me. sounds like he's frustrated with the uh, the hand of cards that he's playing that the Jed and uh, I guess Ricketts have given him to play. But I get that it's it's that time of the year. You know, we talked about the fact that Ross got run two times and maybe could have gotten run three times. Times in both sides of that doubleheader, but didn't. Um, You know, he did go on to say later on that you know it was great to end this part with a win. He he did. I did hear him say that as well. But I get the frustration. He's just he's he's a he's a competitor, right? He's a competitor. He doesn't want to lose anything.
2: Absolutely. So that just kind of surprised me, just because you know he's been playing the, the you know the good soldier. You know, get got the team that he was dealt, and he's trying to do the best he can. It was just very shocking to me.
1: You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 16. And we're calling this one Limping into the Break. And as you're listening to this, the Cubs have reached the all-star break. We're recording this on Monday. We've got the Home Run Derby coming up. Then we've got the... All-star game coming up, but one of the things we keep on promising and keep on delivering is a look at the young Cubs, the guys that might be here the next time the Cubs have hopefully a good and then a great team. So this time we get to talk to Cole Franklin of the South Bend
2: Cubs. He is honestly one of my favorite Uh, minor league players. He's such a great kid and he is, he's someone to definitely watch out for speaking about someone to watch for the last segment of meet your young Cubs, Tyler Schlafer for Myrtle beach was involved in a no hitter yesterday. So congratulations, Tyler, friend of the show. Absolutely. Congratulations to him. Joining me now live from Peoria. We have with us from Meet Your Cubs, a South Bend Cubs pitcher, Cole Franklin. How you doing, Cole?
0: I'm doing good, man. Good to be on here. Good to see you. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Cole. You know, uh, it's nice. uh, it's been a, a fun, an interesting year for you, I would say. But what we've been doing with this segment here is kind of introducing maybe some people that aren't in tune to the minors to people that have been, uh, that are in the minor league system and are moving their way up to Chicago uh, you are the pride and joy of what Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Yes sir.
2: <laughs> I always love it because uh, I'm, I'm, I look I'm in a group with West Jamison and those cub fans from Oklahoma and they've been absolutely crazy about you from the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're good people. I love them.
2: Now, did you always know from a young age you decided you were going to be playing baseball? Was that pretty obvious?
0: Uh, I, I would say yes. I mean kind it's been like a family thing, so uh, kind of like, I kind of want to carry on the tradition. So
2: yeah, I'd say. Yeah, your your dad is an agent and he played baseball, right, Jay? Yes, correct. And I got to meet him down in South Bend and your mother they were just the nicest people you could meet. That's and no offense to you, but I used to your dad your uncle used to drive me nuts when he used to pitch with the Cardinals, Ryan Franklin, so <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I remember him coming to Wrigley and shutting the down down the Cubs pretty good but so you you know in high school you kind of had an injury to your foot and it allowed the Cubs to kind of swoop up and take you. You were committed to go to Oklahoma, correct?
0: Yes, yeah, University of Oklahoma.
2: And you decided to sign with the Cubs. Was that a tough decision to make for you?
0: Uh it, it was tough, but I kind of like I knew in the back of my mind that I was ready to kind of start my career to get into like a a professional organization and kind of start working my way up because I was, I mean, I've been introduced, you know, to the game at a a very young age. So I kind of knew what what it takes and like what the grind was to go through. And so I kind of felt like I was ready and I kind of had the mindset ready to kind of just go start, start the journey.
2: And I got to ask, between your dad and your uncle, you probably met a lot of young players when you were growing up. Were there any guys that you got to meet that you idolized that were big uh, influences on you?
0: Man, uh, Ian Kinzer, I think, was the biggest, like, he would always take me to the field. And uh, I'd hang, like, be hanging out with, like, Adrian Beltre, Michael Young, Elvis Andrews, all those guys. And then I got to meet uh, Scott Rowland, Yadier Molina, Skip Schumacher, uh, our pool holes. and I just got to meet a ton of people through, uh, through, um, you know, through the people my I, I know and and my dad knows, and so I'm I'm very thankful for that.
2: So you sign with the Cubs, and you kind of you head over to their uh, instructional league in Arizona. But in 2019, you pitch for Eugene, and towards the end, South Bend. Your time in Eugene, I mean, I I, I regret never having the opportunity to go out there because that looked like a fun place to pitch. It just looked like they enjoyed their baseball out there.
0: Oh, dude, it was, it was amazing. It was, I loved every single thing about it. The weather was incredible. The people were incredible. I mean, the, it it was, it was top tier for sure.
2: And then you get to 2020 and we have COVID and 2021, you tear your oblique that had to have been difficult for you.
0: Yeah, it was very tough. It was a, it was, it was really hard on me for sure.
2: So you get injured. What do you do with your time as you're just kind of waiting to be able to throw again?
0: Uh, honestly, it was just a ton of like building back up, like doing the small things, like just strengthening everything around the muscle that, uh, that I, uh, I hurt. And so it was a bunch of just like tedious work, but it had to be done like for the rehab process to work hundred percent. And so that's basically all it was.
2: And so I went down to South Bend for opening weekend and you pitched on Sunday and it was the first time you'd been on the mound in what, like two years, right?
0: 953 days.
2: Yeah, you were counting, and so you know your folks were there. Everyone was there, and and we were there watching you. And it's one thing when you see somebody on you know internet videos, you know what I mean. It's a different thing to see them in person. And I remember that outing just watching, and you were just lighting up that gun. Can you tell the listeners what pitches you like to feature?
0: Uh, so I throw a fastball, a changeup, and a spike curveball. But uh, yeah, I mean that day I was it was I was just like super amped up to be back on the mound, you know, because it's been so long. And so I was like, man, I. I, my adrenaline was going crazy.
2: Yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun watching you. But but uh, in this season so far for you, it's kind of been a a difference of two halves here. Uh, your last four starts, you got a 189 ERA, so not bad. And for the month, you're at a one ERA, which that'll play, Colt. Uh, so what do you think? Kind of is the difference between April and May, and, and how you've kind of improved as this season has gone along
0: i think a lot of it's kind of like knowing that i i have more of a, of a leeway as a starter like i get more innings i get more pitches i can actually like settle in and get into a groove it's where it kind of like the first like two months it was basically like i only had like two innings three innings and it was basically like i felt like i wasn't like a true legit starter like going out there you know i felt like i was just kind of a reliever coming in to pitch two innings and so i really didn't really get to get in that to that groove and so now that I feel like I'm being stretched out, it's kind of like allowing me to get, you know, everything going, everything working and kind of get, you know, get relaxed more on the mound.
2: Now, for people that haven't seen South Bend play, you're right now in the dugout. You guys are taking BP. Who would you say is, if if someone was coming besides watching Cole Franklin, who's fun to kind of watch when you're watching, let's say you're not starting and you get to see because the Cubs have so much young talent in South Bend. Uh, A couple of your buddies just got uh, moved up to Tennessee, right? That was uh, DJ Hertz and Jordan Wicks. But who, for the average fan that's coming down there, who would you say, hey, you got to watch these guys. There's some incredible stuff going on.
0: Man, Uh, there's a – Daniel Palencia is one dude that you have to watch. I mean, because he just sits 100, basically. Uh, PCA is unbelievable. He's one of the best athletes I've ever played with. Uh, Jordan Wogu unbelievable athlete as well uh i mean dude there's 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 so many there's so many dudes down here that it's it's so fun to watch yo hendrick pinago you know caleb knight jake wash i mean it it's kind of like you can literally pick somebody out and be like just watch them the whole game and you'll you'll be you'll be very intrigued
2: and as a pitcher you gotta love those outfielders that you got i mean you gotta have a stack like four outfielders that would be that are just amazing. I mean, just not only hitting but fielding as a pitcher, you gotta feel comfortable if the ball is gonna be in the park, those guys are gonna have a chance to get
0: it. Yeah, I know exactly. And and I feel very comfortable with the uh with the alpha that I have for sure.
2: Now I don't know if you heard this. I'm sure you have. You're you're aware. Uh, Jordan Wicks was mic'd up the other day. They had him mic'd up for uh <laughs> they yeah. had him mic up for uh, a segment on YouTube.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, he had some comments about your MLB The Show skills. I want to give you an opportunity here first, Cole, to defend yourself.
0: Um, I would say at the time that that recording was uh was happening, I was very bad at MLB The Show, terrible actually, and uh, so I'll, I'll put that on myself as well. But now, now I have uh have improved. I've really worked on my game, and so I can say he he he, he can say I'm not the worst at least. <laughs>
2: Now, as far as, you know, it's not just South Bend, but there's talent all over the system. Who are some guys that you would say, these are guys that I'm kind of watching, friends of mine, and I'm kind of watching how they're developing no matter where they are, whether they're in Tennessee or whether they're in Iowa?
0: Brennan Davis, man. Once he comes back, I cannot wait to see, like, how he does. And, and like, he's, a, he's an unbelievable player. Uh, Ryan Jensen, one of my best friends. Yeah, he's got an electric arm too. He's back up to 100. His last outing. Uh, Cam Sanders, that dude's disgusting. Cole Roeder. I mean, those are those are kind of like my closest like dudes that I always I always watch and make sure I, I check up on.
2: Yeah, and and you have been to Wrigley before. Some people that I've some some prospects I've talked to have never been to Wrigley. You have been to Wrigley before when you were younger, correct?
0: Yes, correct. Yeah.
2: And so, have you thought about the positive? You know, just ever imagined yourself on the mound at Wrigley, starting in front of forty thousand?
0: Man, I that, every every time I think about baseball, that's all I can think about. And so, I mean, it's always in the back of my mind.
2: Well, Cole, I really appreciate you. I mean, here you are at the game, and you start your next start is when tomorrow?
0: No, it'll be next Sunday.
2: Next Sunday, okay. We have an so All
0: Star get... break this week.
2: Nice, you get a little bit of an All Star break, and PCA is over at the Futures game, which is starting. Uh, relatively soon. Where could people go to follow you in the progress of your career? Twitter handle, Instagram account, anything you want.
0: Uh, my Instagram is at Cole, just at K-O-H-L. And uh my Twitter username is Cole R-F, K-O-H-L-R-F.
2: All right, Cole. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes and we look forward to watching your progress. And, and, and I promise you, the day that you are on that Wrigley Field Mound, I will be there cheering for you, buddy.
0: Yes, sir. Perfect. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me.
2: You're welcome. Take care, Cole. Yes,
0: sir.
1: You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is episode 16. The Cubs have reached the All-Star break, but Crowley and I, no breaks for us. We'll be here with you twice this week and twice all the way through the regular season and hopefully beyond. So Sunday, after the Cubs finally avoided a sweep, got a win against the Mets, sent them out of town, a couple of the Cubs are headed out to L.A. to play in the All-Star game. We had the Major League Baseball draft, and the Cubs were selecting 7th overall the highest they've been in quite some time everybody assumed they'd be going after a hitter that's what all the all the different uh, pre-draft all the mock drafts you saw had out there but Crowley what did the cubs in fact do
2: with that 7th overall pick yesterday well it was like you said absolute shock because it was believed that this was going to be the first draft where a pitcher would not be taken in the top 10 and instead two pitchers were taken in the top 10 and one of them was by the cubs uh Cade horton from oklahoma with the seventh pick so it, it was definitely shocking because you know we, we we had uh greg on from uh i north uh, side bound uh and he's a draft expert i looked at tons of mock drafts and everybody had the cubs picking a couple different maybe shortstops, outfielders etc but they surprised people with taking Cade horton uh horton pitched for oklahoma he set a college world series record with 13 k's in the title game against old miss he tops out at 98 miles per hour with the fastball but one of the things that has kind of that kind of intrigued him and and kind of had him moving up the draft board the closer we got to the draft is he has an absolutely amazing slider so he has a good makeup um i actually have a friend that was one of his coaches and and just a lot of people are very high on this kid's makeup and some of the pitches that he has and pitching for Oklahoma and playing in the college world series obviously he's not afraid of the big stage he's a very nice kid and so you guys talked to his coach from Oklahoma today on the Mullion Haw show correct
1: Yep, yep, really good interview with uh, with his Skip, That's name. his name is Skip also. Um, talked about what a great athlete he is, talked about that slider quite a bit. Says that he believes, and of course it would be breaking news if he said something different, he believes that he could be a number one or a number two for a staff on the big league level. He's already had Tommy John, so hopefully that's not something you have to worry about as well. My biggest concern, Crowley, it kind of reminds me of the NCAA basketball tournament, right? A guy has an unbelievable run, takes a team, like a double-digit seed maybe, and carries them into the Final Four. All of a sudden he becomes a lottery pick and he just is a bum in the NBA. So I'm hoping, now again, I'm not, I'm trying to stay glass half full here. I am not saying that I think Cade Horton is going to be a bum. I just hope that it wasn't just he just rose up to that moment, I think without that performance against Notre Dame and Ole Miss, he is more like somebody that maybe the White Sox are getting later on in the draft than somebody the Cubs are getting that high in the
2: draft. One thing you see, uh, you mentioned the athleticism of Cade Horton. Cade Horton played a lot of infield too. Uh, yeah, she was. He was a, she a, was a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Shortstop, and he played some third base. So he is a very athletic kid. I think the Cubs are kind to start to show that they seem to have figured out that, that Achilles heel, which was the lack of developing of pitching. And you're starting to see them, whether it's Jordan Wicks, who was last year's uh, draft pick, whether you're talking about Max Payne, Cole Franklin, who we interviewed, you're start Daniel Palencia, you're starting to see them develop more pitchers. And so I think that they believe there's something there, both with Kate Horton and their second round pick Jackson Fettis out of IMG Academy, uh, Florida, that that they can work with and and develop again remember from the interview we did last week it takes a while these this is not basketball this is not football you may not hear about these kids for six or seven years and just kind of be like you know who knows but let's let's see what happens with kate horton because he is a college he came out of college and so you know he's not a high school player so he's a little bit more polished let's see where he where they put him next year if he uh, starts at maybe high A or even double A, who knows?
1: Yep, and by the time we get with you guys later on this week, we'll have the rest of the Cubs draft picks as the Major League Baseball draft is continuing as Crowley and I are recording this for you. We've reached the all-star break. It is Monday, Crowley, so that means it's home run derby time. Little Cubs connection as Kyle Schwarber is the overall number one seed. I don't know if that's a little bit more bittersweet for Cubs fans or not I know it stings myself a little bit and in round one Crowley he is matched up with Albert Pujols kind of a commissioner deal if you will but I look at it as Cubs versus Cardinals even though Kyle is not a Cub anymore and I would just be thoroughly disappointed if Kyle doesn't absolutely dominate Albert Pujols tonight
2: Okay, this to me, this is personal, and I'm gonna tell you. First of all, I know I've gotten to meet Kyle Schwarber at different events at Club 400 and other places. He's one of the greatest guys you will ever meet. Uh, a friend of mine was his uh, her his ring bearer. She delivered the ring to him. I have a personal connection with Kyle, and I was so angry in 2018. And I know there's Cub fans out here that remember this. The All Star Game was in Washington, right? And it's Kyle Schwarber versus Bryce Harper, who at that time was playing for the Nationals. And Kyle Schwarber put on a show, right? And all of these players, they're all mic'd up when they're doing the home run derby. And Kyle Schwarber just rocks it. And you get to pick your pitcher, and so Bryce Harper picks his dad. Go Google Bryce Harper's dad. The guy's, I'm just gonna say that uh, he uh, he doesn't look like a naturally strong man to me, uh, but he is a gigantic man. And Kyle Schwarber's way ahead, way ahead of Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper's, the rule is of the all-star break is you can't throw a pitch until the last ball lands. And Bryce Harper knows he's not going to beat Schwarber. So he's yelling at his dad, just throw him, just throw him. And Bryce Harper wins the home run derby. Kyle Schwarber is robbed. And I am still angry about it to this day. And so to me, this is Kyle Schwarber revenge season. Kyle Schwarber is who I'm looking at to win this All-Star Home Run Derby.
1: Yeah, I'll be cheering for him for sure. I'll be pulling for him. I agree with you. I believe I had a epic rant the morning after on the uh, Molly and Haw show after that happened. I was absolutely positively wound up as you were with the cheat Bryce Harper's, him and his dad. So the other part, though... If Albert Pujols was to somehow pull this off, and I am not rooting for this, but I am rooting for a very interesting and a good story. On the other side of this, the Mariners, who have won, I believe, 14 games in a row as we reach the All-Star break. Their young stud, Julio Rodriguez, he's the sixth seed. He's going up against former Dodger, now Ranger, Corey Seager in round one. On the other side of the bracket, Julio Rodriguez Crowley, I believe, was months old, not years, Months old when Albert Pujols made his Major League Baseball debut, and now they are sharing the stage in tonight's home run derby.
2: It's absolutely amazing. I, I like Rodriguez a lot. I think he he's one of those guys that plays on the West Coast, so like people like you know us, we don't stay up that late. To yeah, watch I'm not.
1: Him. I'm not familiar with it, other than knowing that the guy's a stud. I, I I'll be honest. I have not seen. I get up at 2:30 in the morning. I have not seen the Mariners at all. I'm lucky to see a highlight of them on SportsCenter.
2: I'm just telling you is that he's one of those guys that this may be his his debut, his big coming out party, because a lot of people are going to be surprised at how strong this kid is.
1: Yeah, he's unbelievably strong, and you know, underneath Kyle Schwarber and Albert Pujols, we've got uh, the 440 million dollars isn't enough, man. Juan Soto taking on Jose Ramirez. Are you pulling for somebody in that one? Four versus five, or do you have a pick to say who's going to go up against Kyle
2: Schwarber Crowley? Ah, uh, this one. this one, I think, is probably the toughest matchup of the uh, of all of them. If I was to pick anybody, i'm I'm gonna go with Juan Soto, but I, it's not a confident pick. I'll say that,
1: yeah. I'm wondering how he is going to be going into this one with the 440 million and all those rumors and now he's on the trade block and you know that could go one way or the other either he is going to feel like he's got the weight of the world off his shoulders the world is his oyster or he's going to be super super tight now the maybe the premier matchup and it might be like the winner of this whole thing in round one they're probably going to wear each other out but at the top on the other side we've got Pete Alonzo, two-time defending champ just was in Wrigley did hit a home run in Wrigley over the last four games. And he's taking on Ronald Acuna Jr., who is the seventh seed from the Braves. And if you're looking for a little value, if you're into this kind of thing, you might want to invest in Acuna Jr. I believe he's 7-1. to one, So he's not a top. He's not the bottom. He's kind of right in the middle there. That might be a really good price point.
2: I'm not doubting that Acuna could definitely take it. But Alonzo has the home run derby down to a science. And so when I look at the top bracket, I have Schwarber versus Soto. And when I look at the bottom bracket, I have Rodriguez versus Alonzo. And, and if that's what happens, I, I, I love the Home Run Derby, Dustin. It's one of, always been one of my favorite events. And so I am so looking forward to this. And like I said, for me, Kyle Schwarber redemption season.
1: Any? Uh, do you know Crowley exactly? Who's calling this on the four-letter network? Are we going to get a? Peck, 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 is he? Uh, is he coming home? Is he coming out of the uh, Hawaiian Islands and fly into
2: the mainland? Is he involved tonight? Do you know? I'm not positive because I know what I'm listening to, which is Jason Benetti doing the Statcast. So I'm ah, gonna be listening okay. to Benetti doing the Statcast, and and to me that's much more enjoyable.
1: <laughs> All right, very cool, very cool. So that's an alternative. I forgot that that was even uh, you know multi multi different four letter network channels that we can uh, that we can be checking into. Okay, real quick, Crowley, we've got uh, we've got two Cubs, we've got two White Sox. Even though this is the Fly the W podcast, uh, we've got four Chicago baseball players involved in the game on Tuesday night. How do you see our Chicago guys doing in the all-star game?
2: I think they're going to do well. My, my, I'm really, uh, you know, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but Wilson Contreras, I don't know how much all the trade talk is finally getting to him. He's been slumping, but I know he's also super excited to be there with his brother, William. So I'm looking for Wilson Contreras to have a nice outing.
1: Yeah. Obviously I'll be cheering for Wilson. Um, Hopefully he'll be in there three innings, maybe tops, maybe maybe four at the most. Um, you know, maybe Liam Hendricks will get to save the game for the uh, for the the American League. Just hopefully not with like Ian Happ at the plate. I, I do always love when we get the the Chicago versus Chicago in the All Star game. It's not as special as it used to be, obviously with the. Uh, the team's playing six times a year in the in the interleague matchups, but it is kind of cool when you get um, two teams from your city facing off in the All-Star game in a, in a batter-hitter situation.
2: Absolutely. It'll be fun to watch.
1: All right, so that's a wrap on Episode 16. We called this one Limping to the Finish Line. The Cubs have reached the All-Star break. This is Episode 1 it is number 16 limping into the break I'm Dustin Rhodes we thank you for listening Crowley tell everybody how to get in touch with us and we'll talk to you
2: later in the week yeah you can find us on Facebook at fly the W you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at fly the W 670 and please email us anytime at fly the w670 at gmail.com all right good job yep like I said we're